Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like they say, it's supposed to favor the underdog. How about CJ Baxter on this one? There's no way. Actually, there is. He is that guy. 30, 20. Someone's coming for him. Nobody's going to get him. Touchdown, Edgewater. He had his chance to walk away a winner, but Mr. Brady wanted to win twice, and guess what happens? You lose your wife. And watch this. He slows down here just to make him miss as well. Gives him the stiffy of all stiffies. And kill seven seconds. But a flag's on the field. The ball's loose, and it's going back the other way. It was picked up, and it's taken in by DJ Hardy. Game over. North side calls it. Live from Orlando, Florida, you're listening to the sports scene with Jesse O. Oh, eat your carbs and call me Max. Yep, it's me, Jesse O. Welcome everyone to the sports scene on iHeartRadio and iHeartRadio podcasts presented by First Bet. We've been gone for over a week now and so much has happened in the sports world. So let's get right into it. Our special guest today is the resident big man of the show, former NBA center and coach Paul McKeskey joins us half past the hour. But first, Unfortunately, Alvin Delve is off for the week, but we are joined, as always, by the resident couch correspondent, Max Ronquillo, and our iHeartRadio basketball insider, Jonah Taylor, joins the show. So a new sort of dynamic duo for this show this week. Gentlemen, so good to have you both with me. And before we go into our top five sports stories for the week, I always got to ask you a trivia question. So Max, we're going to start with you. Which country has over 200 flavors of Kit Kats? You seem like a Kit Kat kind of guy. Where? Japan. Oh, you are correct, sir. Japan. They're exclusively created for different regions, cities, and seasons. There are some tasty sounding ones like banana, blueberry, cheesecake, and Oreo ice cream, as well as some very questionable ones like baked potato, melon, and cheese, wasabi, and vegetable juice. So Jonah, if you get your hands on one of those, we're going to make you try one. You ready to get in the top five sports stories for the week? Let's get it. Let's go. All right, here we go. We're going to start with number five. We're going into hockey. The Florida Panthers lead their Eastern Conference final series three to zero against the Carolina Hurricanes as it stands right now when we're recording this. Yes, the same Florida Panthers team that was dead in the water in the playoff race before a Pittsburgh Penguins implosion down the stretch. On the other side of the bracket, the Vegas Golden Knights lead the Dallas Stars three to zero in the Western Conference final. In both cases, The Panthers and Knights have held something in common throughout these playoffs. They find ways to win. In the first three victories for Florida, Carolina dominated much of the play. In game one, Florida was unable to create any chances 
until their quick two-goal run in the second period. Then the Canes went back to work and the Panthers were on their heels. Game two was all Carolina as the Canes outshot Florida 38-26. to Holy cow. Game three followed suit with Carolina outshooting Florida 32-17. to It's a lot of shots on goal and not a lot of shots for the other side. Yet in each game, the Florida Panthers found a way to win. For Vegas, the story is much the same. In their first three games against Dallas, the Golden Knights were able to win despite playing two drastically different kinds of contests, one of which went into an extra period, but they still found a way to get it done. Unfortunately, this year also, gentlemen, our hockey analyst Harbor Harrison was a little bit off by picking the Edmonton Oilers, who were down four games to two by the Golden Knights in the second round. So maybe Harbor will get it better next year, but... I hope no one took his gamble this year because you definitely lost money. All right, we're going to go into our number four sports story. The Brianna Stewart era has arrived in New York. The star forward scored a whopping 45 points and added 12 rebounds and three assists as the team beat the Indiana Fever 90-73 to in the Liberty's home opener for the WNBA. Stewart scored the career-high 45 points in just three quarters of basketball, setting a franchise record for the Liberty. The performance also made her the first player in WNBA history to score 40 points in her home debut with a franchise. She shot 15 of 21 from the field, hitting six threes in that game. She joins Liz Cambage as the only WNBA players to score 40 points on at least 70% shooting from the field. Her performance also marked just the fifth 45-point double-double in league history. So a lot of records being broken there. And I say all of that just to say Brianna Stewart probably is, if not the best player, she is the best player in the WNBA. But the era of super teams is here in the WNBA, and we know the Las Vegas Aces absolutely put the smackdown in their first game of the season. So everyone's picking either the Liberty or the Aces to win it all. We'll talk more about the WNBA in the weeks to come. We're going to go into our number three sports story. A little bit of NFL for you, Max. For every action, there's a reaction. That theme is clearly attached to the new college-like rule that NFL owners adopted on Tuesday that allows for a fair catch on kickoffs. If you followed patterns, Max, in recent years after CTE became part of the football lexicon and since the NFL was hammered by a billion ways in class action lawsuits that allege negligence by the league in dealing with concussion risks, it's hardly a surprising fact that it comes to this. In lieu of completely removing kickoffs from the game, it's another rule in the name of safety. Kickoffs are the type of play that results in the highest rate of concussions, and the numbers, according to the league data, have trended upward in the past two years. So what do you make of this rule, Max? I mean, you're going to the altar every time you're looking up in the sky and you have 10, 300-pound men running full speed at you. Like, Yeah, it's kind of scary. I, logistically speaking, this had to have happened, and I'm surprised it took this many years for it to, this rule to change. But it makes sense, right? People are in this sport are only getting bigger, faster, stronger. And again, you're literally going up to the altar where it's like, hey, you're getting crucified one way or another if you just stand there waiting for a ball to drop into your hands. And then you're going to have to run towards the people that are running towards you, right? It. it this, this is a rule that must happen in order just to make sure we don't have anyone die. Yeah, that's the most important part of trying to make football safe is making sure people don't die. I agree with that. All right, we're number two sports story. Here we go. We're going to the MLB just for you, Max. It was a baseball rarity that for a time came in droves and exemplified the gross imbalance of dominant pitchers against helpless hitters, eventually compelling the game's highest powers to legislate a fair fight on the diamond and Major League Baseball sweeping rule changes to stimulate offense, a pitch clock, 
a ban on defensive shifts, a few less inches from home to first, have had a modest but still profound effect. Hits per game are up 2% from last year and 2.5% from 2021, and runs scored are up 7%. Even the stingiest pitcher might agree to that. The changes resulting in a faster, more active game have been positive. But so far in 2023, this hitter-friendlier game has helped wash away one of the game's enduring gems, as I like to call it, the no-hitter. No no-hitter so far this year. So Max, why haven't we seen one and or really even see someone come close to it? I mean, first of all, they're dime a dozen, right? And as we were mentioning before, where one thing that this could lead to, luckily so far it hasn't seemed that way, was injuries, right? You're, you know, motioning faster, you're moving to the plate faster, and there could be a lot of, you know, not enough rest for the pitcher to not only just throw better quality pitches, which would then lead to the no-hitter, we said, or even just straight on arm because they're just tr- they're forced to move at a quicker motion to the plate, and so good thing is we haven't seen any injuries as I as I you know, you know prophesized before, but I said it's a long season, right? We're we're not even done with the second month of baseball, and so and again I think there's a uh, there's always some lag to these new rule changes where pitchers will start to become comfortable in pitching um, at a faster pace of play with then able to then, you know, hit the standards of those quality pitches to then lead to outcomes such as no hitters. But one thing I do want to bring to a final point is the gamemanship that has happened um, with this pitch clock, right? Um, I want to bring a tribute to Wilson Contreras' fantastic at-bat against Kenley Jansen, where he's been a longtime catcher within the sport, understanding that Kenley Jansen has the longest, you know, from set to motion um, release in the game was able to outclass him, outgame him to get a full on, like I think two extra balls called on him, which led to a walk, which then ultimately led to the Cardinals winning um, in the ninth inning against the Red Sox, right? Just because he was able to outclass Kenley Jansen. And even the umpire, when when the Red Sox coach came up to him, they're like, dude, like why are you calling all these balls on him? And he's like, um, your pitcher is getting outplayed. I can't really tell you that, but that's what's happening. And guess what? That's what's happened. And it led to them coming back from like a 4-1 deficit to like a 5-4 lead, something like that, to win the game. I love that. I absolutely love that. And also, like, you know, I grew up not just a Giants fan, but also a Cardinals fan. So the Cardinals is a little bit on a streak right now, too. So are the Giants. So no, nationally, the Giants, the one yes. thing about the pitch clock that it has done, I've gotten to a couple games, and the Giants games are so boring because they suck. The games go by way. What do you mean? Fast. We won nine out of our last ten I, games. Even when they won a game, and that was the most boring game I've ever witnessed. There's like no if you offense. win nine out of ten games, you're saying that that's terrible. I'm just saying, as a listen, if you're watching the game on television, probably great, uh, great entertainment. When you go to the game in person, Jesus, is it, it, like the most like you know boring game? I didn't even pay attention to it because it, it just happened so fast. There's no offense ever happening. You know what your so, issue is. You're a hater, and you definitely did not have enough to drink at that game, like you told us oh, a couple of weeks ago. I, I so, <laughs> is that maybe I had too much, but we can digress. Well, then there we go. We'll talk about that another time. Going into our number one sports story, Max and I hit the parlay of the century last week for the NBA playoffs. We're going to Miami, baby. 
I wish we could get into that more. Actually, we should get into that more in the next few weeks. We're going to give some picks and gambling picks for you out there, just in case you were wondering, Jonah. But we have to get into that another time. Our real number one sports story, the NBA coming up after the break. Don't go anywhere. More sports scene is on the way. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to the sports scene for our second segment. Of course, we're joined by our Radio basketball insider, Jonah Taylor. Jonah, the Denver Nuggets completed a sweep of the Los Angeles Lakers. Who will join the Western Conference champs in the finals? Well, this year's playoffs saw a number of surprises in the first round, none bigger than the eight-seed Miami Heat, who emerged from the NBA's play-in tournament, knocking off the top-seeded Milwaukee Bucks, who led the NBA with 58 wins in the regular season and in the Western Conference, the Los Angeles Lakers became the second play-in team to advance when they defeated the second-seeded Memphis Grizzlies with a resounding 40-point victory in Game 6. And in, in the second round, the Nuggets became the first team to advance to the Conference Finals, defeating the Phoenix Suns in six games. Unfortunately, our Golden State Warriors entered the playoffs as the defending champions but made their exit with a Game 6 loss against the Lakers. But meanwhile, the Heat knocked off the Knicks to set up an Eastern Conference Finals rematch with the Boston Celtics, who needed seven games to oust the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's kind of coming back to bite the Celtics a little bit because they just don't look like a complete team, Jonah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a huge Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra fan. And so I think uh, this really is just showing Spolstra just really getting to his bag right now and uh, demonstrating the adjustments that he can make against any team in the East, as we saw him do against the Bucks, where he totally game-planned them and was able to win uh, every game that uh, Giannis played, um, which was huge. Yeah. And, now we're, and now we're seeing Spolstra go at it once again with his six to seven undrafted guys that are showing up in huge times, including Gabe Vincent, and it's really just it's lovely to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy how he can take all these undrafted guys. Max, you know how you call the uh, Jaguars the team of ragtag, what do you call them? The, the, they're the Misfit Toys. The Misfit Tools, exactly. That's what oh, Spolstra okay. does. He takes the team of Misfit Tools. They're going probably going to the NBA Finals. That's unbelievable. And we'll talk about the Heat in a sec a little bit more because, you know, and we'll talk about it in weeks to come just By because. Way, Trevor Lawrence, I'll, listening, I do not think you're a tool. Well, yes, of course. But you're saying the rest of his team is misfit tools. Toys, but yes, we'll we'll digress another time. (laughs) I want to go over to the Western Conference real quick because Golden State Warriors, unfortunately, did not have enough firepower to get past the Los Angeles Lakers. Anthony Davis completely dominated that series, Jonah. And we're going to talk about this more with Coach Mo in just a sec, but I want to get your thoughts on that series before we go to the Los Angeles Lakers in the conference finals next. 
Uh, I just wanted to say that I've seen a lot of media talking about what is wrong with the Warriors instead of talking about how great the Lakers were playing in that series. And I think that it's a it's a narrative thing and they just weren't giving enough credit to the Lakers uh, top duo, LeBron and AD, and the surrounding guys that were able to win them uh, about five or six games in their, in their uh, playoff run this year. Players like Austin Reeves definitely stepping up to the plate, Rui Hachimura, Dennis Schroeder, guys that uh, had had solid regular seasons, but really showed up in big time. And uh, I think the Lakers should be content with how they played in this playoffs. They lost to the number one seed is expected. They were a seventh seed. They should be proud, but uh, sad to see my Warriors go. Yeah, I I agree with that one, Max. So the Los Angeles Lakers had a great playoffs or so you think LeBron James and the Lakers are swept by the Denver Nuggets in the conference finals. Four games to zero. What do you got to say? This is the part where I just take a step back and shut the hell up. So I, I have two thoughts on this. First, <laughs> okay. thought, first thought is I have to give a lot of respect to, to King James because he did prove me wrong in a lot of different ways. Um, he, he, he did come to play, and it feels like he played his, his his own individual A game, which um, all mad respect to him for being a loser of losing four games in a row. Because then on the other side, I see Jimmy Buckets taking the land of the misfit tools, as you must mention, and he's carrying these guys out of nowhere, beating the best teams. And I understand the Celtics are different. They're like a next man up mentality. Who's ever has the hot hand, they're going to score. That's their game plan, which isn't really one. Eric Spolsa, he's the second longest tenure coach in the league with then the mentality of Jimmy Buckets just going in and grinding out these wins and, and literally being a, a spearhead for of leadership for the rest of these undrafted rooks. And so come, LeBron, come on, man. Like, like when you got someone in the East doing what you should be doing, who's obviously not played the same like amount of years, but pretty much like, you know, they're, they're, they're not like Jimmy Buck is not the youngest guy in the league. Right. It's just, it, it's weird where I, I have all this respect for what he's done. Right. Especially that final game, but he couldn't even get one in. It's like, bro, you're making this too easy for me, man. I can't wait for you to come back next year. So I can talk way more crap about how you're just not the greatest basketball player of all time. My friend, I'm sorry. It's the truth, but hey, listen, like you're the one who wanted to keep showing up and, uh, you know, you, you lost Jimmy Buckets wins. <laughs> That's tough. That's really tough. Also, Jonah, um, side note, Jason Tatum, this playoffs for the Boston Celtics, he's first in missed shots and first in turnovers. And up until game four, he hadn't made a fourth quarter shot in the series. Yeah, that's remarkable for uh, someone that's supposed to be a 1A for your team. I've always said Jalen Brown's the better guy on that team, but what the hell do I know? Anyways, we're going to move on to the fact that the San Antonio Spurs are the victors of the Victor Wenbenyama sweepstakes after a dramatic reveal at the 2023 draft lottery on Tuesday. Saw them convert their 14% odds tied for the best with Houston and Detroit into the number one pick overall in the 2023 NBA draft. San Antonio secured the top pick for the third time in franchise history, giving the franchise a chance once again to reset as they did with David Robinson in 1987 and with Tim Duncan in 1997 around a big man viewed as a generational prospect. So we know Coach Pop got on a flight 
after that and went to France. One can assume that they will be drafting Wembenyama. Would you think Coach Pop will turn him into something immaculate in this league or in the future? Do you think he could be one of those generational talents, Jonah? I see a pretty bright future for that kid. I mean, he's kind of a do-it-all player, right? We've seen him shoot from outside in uh, in, his, in the French league. Um, we've seen him score inside. We've seen him rebound. We've seen him play defense. Um, and then the one game that he played against uh, the G League Ignite team against uh, Scoot Henderson, he had a monstrous game. I think he put up about 35, 37 points and maybe about 10 boards. So, you know, that's what the NBA rule changes. He he should ha- flourish in today's game. But, of course, we'll have to monitor his uh, his injuries, his body. He's got a very unique build, and he's still pretty lean right now. So we'll see if he puts on that muscle and if he's able to stay healthy. But um, he has all the tools in San Antonio to build something great there. They've been struggling for a couple of years now, but they still have Coach Pop. They still have got a great organization. Um, Tony Parker, Manu, international players that went through San Antonio and had a, a wonderful experience. Um, I think the Spurs will take care of him better than anyone else could in that were uh, available in that uh, lottery. I thought that if anyone could get Wembenyama and turn him into the guy we all think he's going to be, it would be Coach Pop. He's done that with Tim Duncan, became Mr. Fundamental, one of the best players in the league. Him, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili won four championships together. Not a mystery for the Spurs to draft a big man and then turn them into something we may have never seen before. I want to get into some NBA coaching changes, though. You guys talked about Miami's Eric Spolstra, and we have to mention Denver's Michael Malone, who are two of the four NBA coaches to have spent at least eight years with their current team. They know how rare that is, especially as the league's coaching changes mount. Championship winning or title contending coaches aren't safe in the NBA these days, is what it seems like. In recent days, the 2019 NBA champion Nick Nurse, 2021 champion Mike Budenholzer, 2021 Western Conference champion and 2022 Coach of the Year Monty Williams, and most recently, 2008 NBA champion Doc Rivers were all fired. Nurse was fired by Toronto, Budenholzer was fired by Milwaukee, Williams by Phoenix, and Rivers by Philadelphia. Max, do you see any of these coaches ending up somewhere else? or It's just weird how the NBA really has no job security. I mean, of course, they'll, they'll end up somewhere else, um, especially, you know, Doc Rivers. He just has a long-standing history within the sport. You know, um, Monty Williams, of course, as well. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it is interesting because, speaking of coaches that need to be fired, the Lakers coach, I mean, what are you doing? Darvin Ham? <laughs> yeah, mate. Like, he, this guy is just here for the show, just here for all the glitz and the glamour, not not for winning, so... I understand it's led, led GM just running it, and you know he's just picking puppets, you know, very Machiavellian style. You know, I, you know, pseudo respect to you, bro, but like obviously the coach that you mentioned before, they have a long standing. But it, you know, it, it is it is scary. Even Eric Spolster himself is like, you know, that's it is terrifying to know that you can have so much, you know, integrity and like Doc, Doc Rivers is a Hall of Famer, right? But so much respect in the league, but. Anything can happen in the second round of, of the NBA because now you're playing top tier talent. And, you know, you go on a little bit of a stinker and guess what? You're out of a job. And, you know, is maybe that's the next trend of coaches. Who knows? Jonah, when I'm thinking about the NBA, I think only three coaches have job security forever, as long as they want it. One is Coach Pop, obviously. Second one is Eric Spolstra. And the third is Steve Kerr. Do you concur with that? 
Do you think there's any other coaches that I'm missing right now, or is that mainly it? In today's NBA, those are the three guys. I would agree with you. Those are the three guys that are a lock anywhere. But I will have to say Doc Rivers has been around for so long, and he's won so much. Uh, maybe not in the playoffs, but he's definitely won a lot of regular season games. And um, so he's right below them. It is crazy that there is no job security for for coaches that have just won NBA champions. And three out of those four teams that you mentioned made it to the second round, except for the Bucks. Um, so it is it is alarming, I'd say. Uh, we should see everyone end up in a new environment, though. They're all far too good to not have a job come October. Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on to Coach Mo's Corner coming up next here on the sports scene. And then Max Jones and I will be back for one final segment in a sec. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, we're back here for Coach Mo's Corner. I'm joined by the big man himself, Coach Paul McKeskey joins the sports scene now coach it's so good to see you thank you so much for joining me every couple of weeks as always i love this segment it's fun to talk basketball with you also i want to say congratulations on celebrating 42 years with your wife right yeah she put up with me and uh yeah i mean uh, <laughs> it seems sometimes it's you know there's so many ups and downs and but at the end when you get you know like where we're at it seems like it goes so fast and the kids grow up but you know, the journey we've been on together, uh, basketball and family and, and travel all over the world, it's it's uh, it's something when you look back on it, for sure. That's amazing, Coach. Again, congratulations from all of us here at the sports scene. You know, we're hoping all the best for you and your family, as always. So let's get into some basketball talk now. I just want to get your initial opinions on what you've been seeing so far in the NBA playoffs, what you have liked, what you haven't liked. Obviously, you've played for a few teams that were in the playoffs, the Milwaukee Bucks being one the Golden State Warriors being the other, both of whom are not in the playoffs anymore. And what went wrong, in your opinion, in those series? Well, with the Bucs, that's the most shocking one. I mean, you know, they were, they were, they have the roster to win it all. They, you know, uh, they were predicted to win it all or at least get there. And then they ran into a hot uh, Miami Heat team, which when you look at what they've done now, and now they have the Boston Celtics, the second best team in the East, on the ropes right now, three to one. You don't think it was that much of an upset, but at the time it was very shocking. Um, and I, I, it was disappointing to me to see certain players not step up. And you know, Middleton was hurt again. Uh, but you know, you know what? Here, here's my message to to Milwaukee. Now, I love Giannis. I love his competitiveness. I love his drive. I love his how hard he plays, uh, that that he's loyal to the Milwaukee Bucks so far. Uh, I love that all about him. But in my opinion, he's the most flawed MVP in NBA history. Really? So Absolutely. So he's a two-time MVP, correct? Yes. Okay, so let's go through his uh, skills, right? So super athletic, really long, uh, can handle the ball, take it to the basket strong, finish around the hoop like a freak. Uh, block shots, uh, rebound, um, you know, all that's great. But let, let's let's get deep into it then, okay? You just made Free him sound throw. like an MVP. <laughs> yeah, 
which he was. Free throw shooting, terrible. Three-point shooting, bad. Passing, bad. Mid-range game, non-existent. So those are things that he needs to work on. He, I heard him say, you know, uh, you know, well, I'm going to have a vengeance next year and all that. How about you, you stop playing for the Greek team with your brothers and you work on your game? Uh, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan all worked on their games during the summer. And you have flaws in your game in so many areas. So that's what you need to do to help the Bucks get to where they need to get. Forget about everybody else. Hey, Giannis, come visit me in Las Vegas. We can train for a month. And, uh, you know, but you got to, if you're going to make that statement, then you got to address those issues. Because I don't know if there's anybody out there that can argue about those uh, uh, discrepancies in his game. So the Golden State Warriors don't have a really traditional big, but Kevon Looney really showed his worth in this playoffs, grabbing the most offensive rebounds in that series. And it seemed like every game, it was possible for him to get 20 rebounds as a six foot nine, six foot 10 center. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that's it. That's all he's supposed to do. He's supposed to rebound, set picks, make some decent passes, not make mistakes. You know, where if you're, if you're like Giannis is, is supposed to score, rebound, do all those stuff, you know, but he has a lot more uh, that that's on his plate. But, you know, uh, you know, I mean, you know, the Warriors were not lacking in rebounding. You know, they were lacking in consistency and too many turnovers. And, you know, and I'm going to say, you know, the season started out with Draymond Green punching pool in a vicious punch, not a, not a, like a little jab. It was, he was looking to take the kid's head off. And even though whatever you say, you know, we made, we made up, we shook hands. I don't believe that. I believe they did that, but I don't believe that everybody on that team uh, agreed with it. Uh, and also it, and that's what affected, in my opinion, one of the most belittering, be, bewildering, uh, idea that a team of that caliber can see be so horrible on the road, disgustingly horrible on the road, and and that has to be if it's not talent and it's not coaching, then it has to be something else. And what that usually is is team chemistry, and that's what the Warriors are going to have to address this offseason. Draymond Green uh, has a, uh, a player's option uh, for twenty seven million or twenty eight million. Or, I don't know put a number on a million, a lot of millions, um, that he's going to have to decide, uh, you know, uh, you know, if, if he wants to come back or if he wants to go somewhere. I mean, the way he hugged LeBron after the playoffs, it looked like they were already making the deal for him to go play for the Lakers. But that's another <laughs> subject because between AD and LeBron, that's 90 million of your 130 um, salary cap in two players. But, you know, he could take less. And quite frankly, uh, it might be an opportunity for the Warriors to move on past Draymond Green and then, uh, you know, move into the uh, Kaminga and, and uh, Poole era. Now, both of those players are not, you know, are not high in my regard. Poole, to me, you know, has some great talent, uh, but he's been so up and down. And what I saw in the Sacramento series, his actions on the bench and, and uh, in timeouts and stuff, it looked like he... He was clowning around, you know, wasn't focused on the game. And that's a concern to me uh, if he's going to be one of your main guys. So the Warriors have a lot of decisions to make in the offseason. And 
you know, this was the year of run it back. I don't think they have another year of run it back. I think as long as Stephen Curry is still on this roster, though, I think they still always have a shot. And But, you know, he needs guys like Clay Thompson to show up. Jordan Poole stung up the joint in the playoffs. <laughs> and if your bench is not as good as it was, you know, our bench was definitely not as good as it was during the championship run. Right. Otto Porter Jr. came in, made threes when you need him to happen. You had guys in previous years like Sean Livingston. You always had that one guy coming off the bench in the playoffs that you knew you could get some points out of and would play solid minutes. But this year, it didn't seem like the Warriors in the playoffs had anybody that could fill that spot for them on the floor. So now you had the punch we talked about. Then you had Andrew Wiggins disappearing for two months for personal reasons. Whatever that was, nobody knows and nobody's talking about what that was. But he's a main cog in that team and he was gone. For two months, it came back right before the playoffs, by the way, which is a hard thing to do. So, um, you know, if you're the Warriors and, and you're going to come back and you, you got to rely on Stefan, uh, you know, and, and maybe Clay, but, you know, Denver's not going anywhere, by the way. They're a very, very good team. They're built. Uh, they have all the all the makings. They need another bench guy because they, they only go six deep and play a lot of minutes, but they can do that in the offseason. Uh, they're not going anywhere. The Phoenix Suns, I don't know. They're a mess. Sacramento Kings are going to be better next year. They have the experience now. Uh, so, you know, if the Warriors are going to keep up, they're going to have to make some decisions and some hard ones. And, you know, if it's Draymond Green and, and you bring in somebody, uh, you know, of, of a different uh, talent, because Draymond's Green, you know, we know he struggles offensively. He's a you know defensive guy, but he's, struggling. he's getting older too. He's not the defender he was. He's not the rebounder he was. Remember, they had one of their best games, the Warriors did, when he scored 20 points. But that was one game. And, and he can't do that anymore. So, you know, all the loyalty aside, it's a business. So, in my opinion, you know, you try to find a way for him not to come back and you use that money. You know, even if it's a if it's a sign and trade or whatever, so you can use that money in the salary cap. But they're going to have to make some decisions moving forward. You said the Warriors are in the same conference, right, as the Denver Nuggets. They're going to be hard to get past in the future years, right? And now that they look like a more complete team with Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray back on the roster. By the way, Jokic is the best player in the NBA right now. I don't care what anyone says. He is the best player in the NBA. I'm sure you'd probably agree with me because, you know, you're a big man as well. And he can do everything with the rock on the floor. And he looks so unathletic while he's doing it. But it's just flawless. Is. The game he's is absolutely. He doesn't look not. Yeah. He is non-athletic. He yes, he's like very him. non-athletic, but he's the but, best player. <laughs> yeah, but I would say, I mean, he won that last game by those long three-point shots behind his head that uh, he's made like five or six of them just at the right time that just kills the momentum of a team. And I would say there's only about five players in the world that can do that on any consistent level. Uh, but you, you look at the way that's put together, you got Jamal Murray, who's recover from his knee injury and he's becoming Steph Curry now come on you know he's shooting like that uh Michael Porter Jr. who stepped up and then they fill it up with like uh uh Caldwell Pope that they got from the Lakers that fits in perfectly and then you got Aaron Gordon who's finally playing up to his potential Bruce Brown is starting to come through you know uh you know so they got key parts but my concern with them is even moving into the finals is when you look at their roster, Murray averages 41 minutes, Jokic 42, Michael Porter 36, Caldwell Porter 33, Aaron Gordon 37, and Bruce Bull, uh, Bruce Brown 28. After that, nobody plays more than 15 minutes a game. 
So if one guy goes down or foul trouble or something, that's their weakness, I think. That's fair. It's still Nuggets in five in the finals, though, for whoever they play. Obviously, we're recording this as game five of the Heat and the Celtics is tonight, but I'm still taking the Nuggets in five. Let's move on to the Eastern Conference real quick because we were talking about big men just a second ago, and the one big man who won the MVP this year got down by the Celtics in the conference semifinals, and that's Joel Embiid. Now, Joel Embiid and this James Harden Philadelphia 76ers team who have now already fired Doc Rivers, who couldn't take them past the second round in any of his years in Philadelphia. What do you make of that team? Are they just going to blow the whole thing up, or do you still think it's possible for them to make a championship run in the next few years while they have Joel Embiid healthy and still performing at an MVP caliber level? Yeah, I mean, mean, uh, like uh, Game 7 Harden showed up again, right? Right? So, you know, and that's not anything new, and that's not going to change. <laughs> you know, so, so, uh, true. Here, so here, here's what you'll know. They have decisions to make, right? So Harden wants a max deal or semi-max, whatever, they're 20 mil, whatever, 200 mil, whatever that is. And you know that um, uh, the GM of the uh, uh, Sixers is, you know, Harden's uh, buddy and, and friend. So here's what you're going to find out. First of all, I told you what happens in the NBA, right? If, if teams lose, the players are not held accountable, right? No. It goes assistant coaches, head coaches, general managers, and then fourth is players. That's how they eliminate people in the NBA. So when you eliminate Doc Rivers, who will probably get a job here um, uh, quickly, you know, either with Phoenix or Detroit or something. I was thinking Phoenix, yeah. Yeah. So they're going to – it's going to be – if uh, Daryl Morey – uh, decides he's going to ride with Harden and give him two hundred million. Oh my gosh! Why would you do that? But it could he's, happen if that. If he's that bringing happens, Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, if that happens, Mike D'Antoni will come back. Yeah, Harden will be Harden, and they will be in the exact same situation. Second round of, losses. The person that's hurting, uh, his growth is hurting because of Harden is Maxi. Maxi to me is the next guard combo. There plays defense. Um, you, you know, can score, get to the basket, pass. You know, but if Harden's there, he eats up Maxie's minutes at the point. So you got to make that decision. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting offseason for them because you keep hitting that same wall with the same people. You know, guess what? It wasn't Doc Rivers' fault. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. it was seven. It was Game Seven Harden and some other players. That's what it was. But you know, it's going to be interesting offseason for these top teams and. You know, the, what I think uh, Embiid, he's been looking for the MVP for so long. He's been kind of begging for it. And he finally got it. But he was hurt in that series. His knee was hurt. And he, couldn't, he didn't have the lift he did. Uh, and it's not an excuse. It's a fact. Because if uh, Horford, who is almost as old as me, is blocking <laughs> Embiid shot regularly in a game, which he blocked straight out two or three of them beat shots every game. So something is wrong with his knee and he couldn't get a lift. But, you know, uh, but Boston, to me, that series, even if everybody's healthy, you know, Boston is a better team uh, and should win, which they did. But, you know, Miami is playing at at a level that, you know, they're on a roll. We're going to see tonight because Boston, in my opinion, has one of the deepest, most talented teams out there. And guess whose job's on the line tonight? Joe Mazzola. Joe, the the coach of the Celtics, if they lose tonight, see you later. 
If they win, maybe we keep you. That's what's going to happen tonight. Coach, my final question for you here on the segment, and I'm going to read you a report that just actually came out, and it's that the NBA is reportedly considering instituting a new rule in an effort to prevent flopping by defenders on drives to the basket. According to Shams Charania of the Athletic and Stadium, the NBA Competition Committee is discussing the possibility of awarding technical free throws to the opposing team if a player flops. Flopping, as you and I both know, has been an issue in the NBA, especially on plays that feature an offensive player driving into the paint towards the basket, making it difficult for officials to decipher between a charge or a blocking foul. You and I have talked about this in the past and how you've counted one time that someone fell on the floor at least 12 times in a game. And I'm terming this as the Dennis Schroeder rule. Whose rule is this for you? And do you see this actually working out for the well, NBA? I mean, just pick a name. And it's just got worse and worse after, all after the years have gone by. And, you know, everybody, Vladi Diva, uh, guys like that, would, would flop and, and sell up a call. But it's gone way beyond that. And uh, I agree with, put, you got to put a stop to it. Uh, however, how you do it is going to be very important because, you know, game time action, bang, bang play, a referee's going to have a tough time deciding if it's a flop or not. But if there's a question with all three referees and they can go review it really quickly now, quickly, you don't have to take 10 minutes. You can do it quickly. And you can see if a guy gets hit on the shoulder and he falls down and grabs his head, and he rolls around on the ground like he's going to the hospital, you can see that on a video, slow motion. And then that should be a technical, free throws, and then you move on. And I believe that will clean it up because after that happens over and over, you know, you can't – guys lay on the ground forever. You think they're going to be taken off in the stretcher, then they get up and, and do it because they're trying to sell. They're trying to get the flagrant one, the flagrant two. And, you know, that that's – all well and good, but the game is looking ridiculous now. And FIBA's had that rule for a while now because flopping theoretically started with soccer and then in European basketball, and now it's taken over the NBA. But, you know, it, you can sell a call, but if you get hit in the shoulder and you grab your head like you have a concussion, that's a problem. My The other okay, interesting back. thing for me in the playoffs was that Anthony Davis got hit in the head. He got a little forearm to the head in one of those games, and he got he got released that he got wheeled out in a wheelchair, which yeah. I thought was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, so the the rule is, I mean, I've been in that situation. I've just taken off the floor in a stretcher, and, well, you know, rightfully so. But here's the deal. In, in, the, in the NBA, so he, he got his bell rung probably. You know, he wasn't concussed, but he was shook up a little bit. So when you walk off the court to the locker room, there's going to be – they're going to tell you, sit in this wheelchair and we'll wheel you to the locker room. Uh, but me, someone else, especially if I if I was someone with a soft reputation, I would say, you can take that wheelchair and go shove it over in the corner. I'm going to walk to the damn locker room. And you can, you can support me if you want, but I'm walking to the locker room. You're not taking me in the damn wheelchair. You played in a different time, Coach. I respect that, though. That's the kind of yeah, basketball even, I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, but even if, if I'm Anthony Davis, and you know everybody's calling you soft, here's a chance for you to not be soft. Okay, here's a wheelchair. Get out of here. Let's go walk to the locker room. There's just chance. <laughs> yeah, I got one more question for you, Coach. The whole John Morant situation, this is the second time he's gotten caught on Instagram Live with a firearm. Obviously, you know, we don't know what state he was in or anything. If firearms are legal in that state, we didn't know if he had a permit or anything. But I think the whole narrative surrounding this 
is that the NBA doesn't like guns. I think that's what it comes down to. The NBA doesn't like guns and the players need to respect that because that's their employer. And at the same time, I think it looks bad for Adam Silver because he already had a conversation with John Moran about this. And now it looks like after that first John Moran apology, maybe all could be forgiven. And now we're right back to square one again. And he's been suspended from team activities indefinitely. What do you think comes out of the situation and what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, um, and I know someone on ESPN, JJ Reddick, had mentioned, you know, what if it's not illegal, what's the problem? Well, guess what? You need to look up legal then. Because if you're in Denver at a nightclub and you brandish a firearm and you're probably drunk, that's illegal, by the way. And if you're in a car driving anywhere and you brandish a firearm the wrong way and wave it around, that's illegal too. So you, you got to take that. Wait, let's backtrack on that. Also, it doesn't matter if it's legal or illegal. It's detrimental to the league. And that's who you work for. You work for your team and the league. And, uh, you know, uh, he was on a business trip when he was in Denver. And that counts the whole time you're on the, not just when you're on the plane or in the locker room, the whole time you're, you're representing the team. Uh, so, you know, that's a problem. And then you say, you know, I, I was wrong. It's not going to happen again. And then less than two months later, it happens again. And you make Adam Silver kind of look like a fool, right? Yeah. Uh, but, then, but then I think he didn't help himself. And I love Adam Silver. But he's saying that I was shocked that it happened. Why would you be shocked? Look at the kid's history. And you're going to say he's going for 11 days of treatment. And now he's going to be better. And it's not going to happen again. That's not a good. That's not going to happen. And now we know that yesterday or the day before, they had a welfare check call on his house. So someone, either family member, um, team team organization, or league called the police because they were concerned with a Instagram that John Moran had out that said, love you, pops, love you, mom, I love you, kid, whatever, and goodbye, that he deleted like 10 minutes after. And they, the police went to his house for a welfare check. Right. That doesn't happen on a whim. So this is a kid that's re that's uh, screaming out for help. You know, he, he's got a problem and uh, someone he's got to trust someone and take some help. from. There's so many people that would help him right now. If you don't like to go with your team organization, you don't feel comfortable with that. Go to the league. If you don't go to the, to the league, go to the players association. If you don't feel comfortable with the current fit, Players Association, go to the Retired Players Association, where the guys like me that have been through stuff that can help you and will reach out and actually help you and then listen to them. And if, because this is a 23-year-old potential superstar uh, that's, that his, 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 his career and maybe his life are going down the drain faster than he knows. You know, he's going through a tunnel and there's a light at the end, and he thinks it's the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a train coming right at you. And unless he gets that help, I'm I'm scared for what might happen with him. And that yeah. last Instagram, oh, I, you know, it was just become going off Instagram or blah. You make all these excuses, but if it was that, why did you take it down after five minutes? Because yeah, you knew what it was. The other problem is it wasn't even his own Instagram, and it's like his friends, so-called friends, oh, are posting God. these videos. And if these are your friends, here's an idea, Ja. Get new friends that won't get you in trouble. It's not that hard, but maybe, you know, we're an outside circumstance. So yeah, we, we I've, I've been, you need friends that protect you, not take advantage yeah. of you or not say, 
everything you do is great, no matter what you do. Guess what? You're not a friend. If, if your friend is going down the wrong path and you keep helping them go down that path, you're not a friend. You're an enemy. That's some deep stuff. <laughs> well, Coach, thanks so much for hopping on the show. We always appreciate it. Let's talk after the finals finish up. Sound good? Or during. Done. We'll make it happen. Right. Coach Mo's Corner here on the sports scene. One more segment coming up in a sec. Welcome back to the sports scene, ladies and gentlemen, for our final segment of the show. We're going to go into the rumor mill version of Take It or Leave It. So I'm going to give you guys some rumors and you got to tell me whether you're taking them like you believe them or you're leaving it like it's just not true or not going to happen. And Jonah, the first one is for you. James Harden, it seems like, would be a hot commodity is what people are saying. And they are also saying that he could command up to $40 million a year on his next contract on a four-year deal. And it seems like the Rockets are interested in him. So take it or leave it. James Harden is going back to the Rockets. I'm taking it. Steven Salas out. Ime Udoka in. I'm not sure exactly what the vision is uh, in terms of building their players around that, but... I think uh, James Harden has a lot to offer a team like the Rockets that are young, athletic, and uh, impressionable. Um, I think his veteran savvy would uh, play in right away and start getting players like Jalen Green and even even uh, Josh Christopher um, some uh, elite, elite, elite uh, IQ and um, offensive flow right away. So I'm going to take it. I like that. I think I would also take it. Ime Udoka, a great coach. You know, he had to spend the year out and Joe Mazzula having a hard time in that Eastern Conference Finals. So I think that Ime Udoka will step up to the plate with that young Houston squad as well. And James Harden, we could see he was a good leader for the Rockets the first time, but he wasn't like, oh, this is the guy like I would want to play on a team with and turn to in the moments to teach me something about the game that I don't already know. So I'm going to see how he works out with Jeff Green and all those other guys. But Ime Udoka obviously would be the biggest voice in that locker room and maybe it brings the Rockets back. Maybe he's that scoring guy that they really needed to kind of turn that program around. So who knows? Max, next rumor mill is for you. We're going to go back into baseball real quick because it's widely known that Shohei Otani is a generational talent. Obviously, he's a free agent after this current season. And a lot of people are saying that he has no reason to stay in Anaheim and play for the Angels because they haven't been able to make it past the first round of the playoffs with him. So take it or leave it. Shohei Otani is going to get big money somewhere else and he will leave the Angels in the offseason. I know I already I always have these stipulations and caveats and all that. And I really want to say them because I think they're correct. So I'm going to I'm going to actually have to leave it because of them. And that's because Artie Moreno is still in charge. He's still the owner. And he's going to throw big money for Big Shohei in order to keep him around. And honestly, I think Shohei enjoys playing baseball with Mike Trout. I think they have this really strong bond for some weird reason. I mean, they're also the best baseball players in the game. So it hurts my heart to say that he's going to stay. Because I would really hope to just watch him somewhere else rather than the Poopy Angels for sure. Jonah, Austin Reeves is an impending restricted free agent. And the second year guard is expected to draw interest and potential offer sheets from several cap space teams this offseason. Now, he's been incredible on the Lakers this year. Definitely the best undrafted free agent in the league right now. And you can make a living for sure by just saying and make big money. By saying, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to pass LeBron the ball as much as I can. 
and I'll probably get a big contract. And essentially it worked out for him, but take it or leave it with all those contracts and everything that he might be offered, all the interest, he will stay with the Lakers in the off season. On the contingency that LeBron stays with the Lakers in this off season, I will say that Austin Reeves will also stay with the Lakers. I think he earned his spot on the team. The Lakers will have the chance to, you know, off to match any offer that anyone else makes him. They would be foolish to let him go to anyone else. He played fantastic for them, played above what they expected. He fit right in with LeBron. He was able to be aggressive and score on his own without without uh, getting uh, pick-and-roll help, able to, to uh, move the ball freely uh, without even without question. He made very good decisions. He definitely earned a spot. He better stay because the Lakers will be in hot water if they let him walk. Max, a lot of people are saying that when it comes to Carlos Correa, the signing by the Twins was the best thing that could have happened to him. And now here he is. It was reported two hours ago that he was diagnosed with plantar fasciitis and a muscle strain in his left foot. And this has been the thing about Correa is he can't really stay healthy as of late. And so take it or leave it. In the next couple of years, Carlos Correa might actually not be in the MLB. Yeah, no, he's toast. I mean, look look what happened to... You're taking it. Yeah, yeah, look what happened to Pujols, man. Like, it was just complete degeneration of, of a top talent. And so he's going to have to really keep on his weight because that's just pressure onto your foot. And guess what? You're playing shortstop where you have to stand in this, you know, terrible heat, terrible weather, wherever you are. Because on the baseball field, it's always 10 degrees hotter or 15 degrees hotter. Standing on that foot, putting a lot of pressure on it. You're not going to be able to play shortstop doing that anymore, my friend. And that's what, uh, you know, Carlos, that's what happens to Carlos Correa, right? Like, you know, a lot of people try to sign him. Every doctor said no. And the twins got, you know, bit for, you know, re-signed their player. So, yeah, mate, if you got planter, we've only seen deteriorate players. So, see ya, you're gone, my friend. Jonah, we talked about the coaching changes happening in the NBA, right? Nick Nurse, Budenholzer, Williams, and Rivers. Of those guys, Nick Nurse has already interviewed four vacant coaching jobs. So take it or leave it. Nick Nurse will be the first coach of those four I just mentioned to get a head coaching job again in the NBA. It seems like he's aggressively pursuing uh, job opportunities right now. So I don't see why he wouldn't be the first. I think people will have their immediate draws to Doc River and then their immediate setbacks because of his playoff history and his game seven history, which shouldn't really matter because Doc Rivers is a Hall of Fame coach and an all-time great coach. But given Nick Nurse's aggressiveness to secure a job, I'll take it that he will be the first. Max, the A's and the state of Nevada have reached a stadium deal. The state agrees to a significantly less than the team's original 500 million request and the deal needs to pass the legislature. So take it or leave it, the A's actually will get something done and move to Las Vegas. I mean, after the Howard Terminal case, trying to move to San Jose case, the A's have not been able to get it done under John Fisher and Dave Cavill. And everything that's come on their plate has just fallen right through onto the floor. So take it or leave it, the A's actually will get a deal done for sure and start building a new stadium where they can go play in Las Vegas. I really want to leave it just because that would be typical A's fashion with, uh, you know, according to how their outcomes have, you know, shown this year. But I, I think I'm going to take it. Wait, what did I say? Leave it? Yeah, I, th- I, I think I'm going to take it because when Vegas wants something done, they're going to throw, you know, the, the house, the car, the lease, 
everything at it. And so it, it just makes sense for, um, you know, Vegas. It makes sense for the A's. It makes sense for their, their, their grimy owner just to make this deal happen. Um, and it also makes sense for Oakland to lose another sport, right? Like it, <laughs> it, 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 it's like what Elon says, the, 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 the funniest or craziest outcome that occurs is the most likely one to happen. Well, you know, that's just the A's when it comes to sports and, you know, them and those sports leaving their city. Oakland deserves so much better than the A's too. Maybe, and this is what I'm saying, this is my grand scheme. Bring the WNBA to Oakland. That's exactly what needs to happen. Oracle Arena, or actually it's the, or what? it's not even Oracle Arena, it's the Oakland Arena now, I think. Jonah, would you concur with that? I concur. I, I've also been saying that the, the, uh, the Bay should bring a WNBA team there. Uh, we already have the fan base. We already have the arena. I say we keep growing the WNBA. It would be an amazing fan base. And Jonah, take it or leave it for you. So the Washington Wizards poached the Clippers GM. Washington is set to hire Michael Winger as president. And Winger will oversee the WNBA Mystics as well and the G League Go-Go. That's what their team is called. He did a great job getting Kawhi Leonard as well as Paul George to come to the Los Angeles Clippers, but they haven't seen too much success outside of the NBA bubble. So is this a good move by the Wizards who are kind of struggling? By the way, Bradley Beal is the biggest money stealer in the history of humanity. First of all, yes, Bradley Beal has gotten very comfortable in Washington and he is fine playing mediocre basketball while having a secure job. So I don't even blame him for that. In terms of the Wizards move, I say it's a good move because the Clippers uh, have been able to draw big stars and big role players as well over the past several seasons. Um, So I think this just shows that the Wizards are looking to get a bit more aggressive, maybe a bit more serious in terms of uh, this offseason. So I'm really excited actually to see um, how soon they will start uh, making changes to their roster. Um, I think it's a great move for the city of, uh, of Washington, uh, have not seen a great season in a long time, at least for the NBA level. Um, so I think it's going to be a wonderful addition. You know what I think is, I think the wizards really need to just trade some assets and they need someone good to pair with Bradley Beal who can shoot and also stand down low. And I think that guy is Pascal Siakam. Spicy. Yeah. Pascal Siakam needs to get out of Toronto. Also, some team needs to go after Damian Lillard and get him out of Portland. Portland's not going anywhere in the next few years. Jonah, my last one for you. It's rumored that Kyrie Irving is not expected to get a max deal in the offseason. Take it or leave it. He will not get a max deal. I will take that because this is a guy who is an amazing all-time great NBA talent and an all-time great locker room disrup- disruptor. Uh, he's bounced around from team to team. Uh, since he left Cleveland, he hasn't had a good locker room presence, uh, and he has not shown commitment to any franchise. Uh, if you're if you're a franchise looking to get Kyrie, maybe throw two years at him, but you can't you can't just uh, throw an expected you know two hundred mil at him uh, and expect him to stay because the money is not enough. That's fair, and also like you said, all the locker rooms he's been in since he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers have just not worked out. And he had great players on his roster. I mean, you play with Luka Doncic, who is top 10 in the entire world. You play with Kevin Durant, who's also a top 10 player in the entire world. You missed the playoffs with one. The other one, you didn't play. And then another season for the Nets, you didn't win. 
So at the end of the day, who's going to give you Max contract after that? No one. Max, my final question for you. And this was interesting because he brought it up after getting swept. And it kind of diluted how much people were talking about the sweep, which I like how he was controlling the narrative here, which, you know, as a player, if you can control a narrative, you should. But LeBron James has said he has a lot to think about this offseason on whether or not he will be in a Lakers uniform, which led people to believe that he might be retiring and a lot to consider in his playing career. So take it or leave it. LeBron James might retire this offseason. He's absolutely not retiring at all. There's no way. There's not a chance in you know where that this will happen. What I think will happen is they're somehow going to rework a contract where they're going to defer half of the money for the next year. I, that's what I would do if I was him because he's late GM. So they'll, he'll defer <laughs> half the money, get like $24 million next year, and then $24 million after that. But he'll, he'll sit out this year or this, this upcoming year, and then he'll find a way to play with Bronny for two years, right? Um, he might even be a part of the USC coaching staff. You know, that that's this guy just bleeds everywhere, wherever he goes. And so he's obviously not retiring, but I would put some good parlay money on him not playing the sport of basketball next year. Actually, I got one more take it or leave it from you. So take it or leave it. LeBron James will not win another championship in the NBA. No, there's, there's no way. I mean, <laughs> his son's going to have to become the the best thing since LeBron, but better because his his dad isn't the greatest of all time. So that's what he's going to need to help revive him to win. And again, what pieces are you going to have at that point besides you and in, in, in your in your son? So there, he hasn't been able to do it since. There's no way him and his son do it. If they if they somehow do it, then geez, you know, I'm getting off the internet and, and I'll never you'll never see me again because that would be the ultimate like craziest thing of all time for sure. well thank you coach mo thank you jonah and max wow your takes are kind of ridiculous but thank you all for tuning in today to the show on iHeartRadio and iHeartRadio podcast you want a little more sports madness in your life well tune back in on saturday mornings at 9 a.m eastern time or find us on any of your streaming platforms that you use also please rate comment and download the show and next week we'll be back with more sports talk so stay tuned until then stay happy stay healthy and we'll see you right back here on the sports scene with jesse o presented by first bet